Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Miles. We like football. And this is our off-season analysis. All right, this has been the most eventful off-season in NFL history. Yeah. The moves teams have made during this free agency period shows what teams are valuing most in the league right now. We saw the biggest market for wide receivers and quarterbacks, such as Tyreek Hill and his trade to the Miami Dolphins or the Russell Wilson trade to the Denver Broncos. Getting a good quarterback and surrounding him with top-of-the-market weapons is the new winning formula, and we've seen this with the Bengals, Rams, and the Buccaneers. So we continue to see this in the draft process, and teams traded up to take wide receivers in the first round, I believe, five times. And part of the reason why the QB market this offseason was so hectic and there were so many different quarterbacks moving was because the draft uh, was not at least very quarterback talented as it was in previous years. So we just saw some other te- we saw teams basically address other positions of need. Yeah. But uh, overall, this offseason has just been so eventful and teams are being more aggressive than ever. So Alex and I just wanted to discuss teams we think that had the best offseason. So Alex has, has the NFC. Uh, I have the AFC, and we're going to get it started. So I'm pretty much just going to start us off. And the first team that I wanted to talk about that I thought had a really, really strong, eventful offseason were the Oakland Raiders. So first, the Oakland Raiders traded for all-pro wide receiver Devontae Adams. In this trade, uh, they the Packers basically – sorry, the Packers basically received uh, – the Raiders' first and second round picks, and I can see Alex looking at me right now. I know it's still a touchy subject. We don't want to talk about this right now, but let's get it over with. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, so since the Raiders traded away their draft picks, their draft wasn't as noteworthy. But this trade is absolutely massive, and it reunites Devonte Adams with his college teammate and best friend Derek Carr, and makes the Raiders even more competitive in the best division in football. Uh, so they're competing with the Chiefs, Broncos, and Chargers, one of those teams I will, uh, sorry, two of those teams I will touch on later. And along with this, they also acquired all-pro pass rusher Chandler Jones for a three, on a three-year, $51 million contract, and this helps them pass rush against quarterbacks like Mahomes, Herbert, and Russ. And although the Raiders didn't necessarily have a very, you know, deep free, agent, free agency class or a very deep draft class because they obviously lost their first and second round picks, they were still able to acquire, I mean, maybe the most talented players at the top of their positions in the free agency class. And this can really help them win and put them in back in the playoffs. Yeah, I really think the Raiders addition of uh, Devontae Adams was kind of the cherry on top for describing the AFC West's uh, offseason. They really had maybe the most historic division offseason and all the assets that division got. They went from uh, kind of a... I mean, in the beginning of the year, is competitive with the Chargers, but it was really kind of a one-sided division for, like, the past, like, one to three years and just Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. But, you know, every team is loaded in that division now. And, you know, the Raiders, they really didn't I, – I mean, I guess they didn't do a lot, but the moves that they did, that's the impact. Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, two crazy players that, you know, will be remembered in probably 20 years still. So great additions for the Raiders. Can't disagree with that pick. Anyway, for my first NFC pick, I kind of, I kind of had trouble. You know, I had four in my mind, but I kind of had trouble finding the fifth. But I ended up going with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think getting Hollywood Brown as a second wide receiver, I think it's a bit of an upgrade from Christian Kirk. And also, if we look at, uh, if we look at what happened to Christian Kirk. 
they dodged a bullet, bro. I'm not I'm not making Christian Kirk a top five paid wide receiver in the league like the Jags did. And, you know, a good move on the Cardinals, even though they lost a pretty good receiver. You know, they didn't overpay him for four years. So I would say that's a plus for the Cardinals. And they ended up replacing him with, you know, a even more serviceable number two to DeAndre Hopkins now. You know, unfortunately, the DeAndre Hopkins pet, uh, performance enhancing drug situation isn't the best where DeAndre Hopkins has uh, uh, he's going to miss the first six weeks of the NFL season. So we'll see more of what Hollywood Brown gets to do then. But, you know, it's good for Kyler and stuff. And also, you know, if we're just looking at who the Cardinals chose to re-sign and who they didn't, they may have had some of the best judgment in the league because they got some pretty good. They got a 10 million uh $10 million deal a year on Ertz for three years. So they got they got him for $31 million, uh over three years. Pretty good for a top 10 tight end. And then they also got James Conner back, who, look at his touchdown numbers last season. Ridiculous. So they made great judgment in the re-signings, and they made a pretty good trade, and that's what puts them up there at this this position for uh, a good offseason. Yeah, I think quietly the Cardinals had a really good offseason. And I mean, obviously, with the Hollywood Brown trade, it was in the middle of the draft. So it kind of happened a bit suddenly. But I just have to, you know, just commend the the organization of the Cardinals for one, dealing with all the stuff that was going on with Kyler Murray this offseason. That is a lot of dysfunction to have to deal with. And obviously, I don't want to make out villains here. And I don't want to try to make it seem like it's a very black and white issue because obviously as a young player in the NFL, you're going to want to be paid. But um, the way Kyler handled his business, I don't think was very team friendly and it draw, drew a lot of attention to him, uh, which wasn't the best. But despite all of that, the Cardinals organization was still able to have a success, su- yeah, excuse me, successful off season. Yeah. All right. So the second team I want to talk about in the AFC are the Buffalo Bills who added former Super Bowl MVP Vaughn Miller on a six-year, $120 million contract. That's a good one. They also signed tight end O.J. Howard from the Bucks. They also signed defensive end Shaq Lawson and wide receiver Jamison Crowder, and all of them on one-year deals. All these players add to a stellar roster and can help the Buffalo Bills win now and get to the Super Bowl. Plus, in the draft, they added cornerback here, Elam, from Florida, and James Cook, running back from Georgia. So all these players combined, although all of them in terms of Howard, Lawson, Crowder, although they're on the older side of their career and they're also, you know, they're not going to be number one threats in their position, but they're going to add good depth to an already strong roster. And just at this case with the Buffalo Bills, they were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC Championship game last year. So. It's just it's just a few more players that they really need to push them over the top and get them to that Super Bowl and get Josh Allen and get players like uh players like him to the Super Bowl and really see what they can do. And Von Miller on a six year contract is a bit of a reach just for how old he is, but we saw what he was able to do in the playoffs last year for the LA Rams and how impactful he was in that Super Bowl. So for whatever it whatever it's gonna take for the Buffalo Bills to get to the Super Bowl, I think they're gonna do it. And they showed a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of ambition just doing all of this and getting here. I applaud them. Yeah, that was a great offseason from a contender who got so close to making it to making it further in the playoffs. They probably had they, their uh, their face off with the Chiefs was probably 
one of the best playoff games I think I've ever seen. And they were so close to getting there. They they probably had a good matchup against the Bengals too if they would have won that. So you know, there's a chance they could have made it even to winning the Super Bowl this year. So I think they had a they had a good little upgrade from that, and they're reloading right now. And I really like to see it. Now this next team. I may I wanted to save it for a little bit later because I feel like it's, it's one of the better ones I want to save for the last. But I'm a bit too impatient, so we're going to talk about the New York Giants. Now, I think they had a killer, killer draft. Now, the New York Giants, they possessed the fifth pick and the seventh pick. And after some post-draft analysis uh, that, that I did, I watched some of the players' tapes. I don't even think Miles knows I did this. I came to the conclusion that the New York Giants got – you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, I came to the conclusion that he's the third best player in the draft. So that's value at getting him at number five. I came to the conclusion that Evan Neal is the best offensive lineman prospect I've ever seen physically and like skill set wise. And I believe he's better than Hutchinson. He's better than Thibodeau. I think he's the best player in the draft at seven. So I think they had probably the best first round in the draft. Screw the other two in New York. Jets did not do nearly as good as them getting the First and third, although the Jets did amazing. I'm just so excited about the Giants getting two positions of needs and two great players at good values. Perfect first round. Can't get any better than that. Now, they also upgraded depth in two areas. I would like the Giants to upgrade depth. Now, Giants, they have a pretty good secondary. They added some more pieces to it. I think they added two DBs in the draft, uh, and they also added... Uh, they also added Max Garcia uh, for the offensive line, and he he's played already 800 snaps in his NFL career. So they're getting some depth in you know that that region of the offense, which you know they definitely need trench help. But I think they certainly fixed that this offseason. Uh, they also drafted a wide receiver and a tight end. You know they lost Evan Ingram to the Jaguars, and you know Giants wide receiver room this year was. Uh, an underperformance to say the least. So, you know, they improved in that. I can't name really a flaw that they did. Now, I'm I'm a big Daniel Jones guy, but his fifth year option was 22.4 million. I think that's a good move not picking that up. So, you know, good job Giants. I can't really point out a flaw here. Nothing bad to say about him. Great offseason. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's really funny that you mentioned just watching all that film, and I'm really glad you came to that conclusion. Honestly, it's it's relieving. Just just as a Giants fan, all these years, whenever I see my team with a you know a top five pick, I'm just please don't mess it up. That's all I'm thinking the entire time. I don't care if you you reach. I, I just please don't mess it up. And just after hearing what all you've had to say, I I feel pretty confident in the players that we selected and. Just to add on to everything that you said, we also made a head coaching change to a more offensive-minded head coach in Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills. He was their offensive coordinator for the last few years, and he was very successful there. So it's important to say that in the last few years, Daniel Jones has never had a truly you know, offensively-minded head coach, and he hasn't had much help with coordinators. A few episodes back, I complained about Jason Garrett as the Giants' offensive coordinator, and he's gone now, so... Um, it's new beginnings right now for the Giants, and if all goes to plan, we should see the Giants compete for the NFC East. Agreed. Right. So the third team I want to talk about is another AFC West team, and this time it is the LA Chargers. In their first round, they drafted Zion Johnson, a guard from Boston College, to protect Justin Herbert. 
That was one of their bigger problems last year in the in the offensive line. And similarly to the Bengals, they have a young quarterback that's very, very talented, and they need to invest in him. They need to invest in him, and they need to protect him. Keep him healthy. He can win you a lot of games. Now, they also signed Khalil Mack and JC, and JC Jackson, two elite defensive players. JC Jackson has 17 picks in the last two seasons, and Khalil Mack is a former defensive player of the year in 2016. All these moves, again, solidify that the Chargers are one of the most dangerous teams in the league. And especially in that division, you're going to need, one, players to protect you know, your star quarterback, but also players that go get your other t- the other team's star quarterback. And Khalil Mack is exactly that. I think that people have kind of been sleeping on Khalil Mack for a few years. I obviously, obviously, Alex still haunted a little bit for, by that week one game. No. <laughs> At week no. one game a few years ago. But... I think I think Khalil was a little bit unhappy being in uh, being in Chicago for so long Ooh. and in the instability there. So I think he's honestly going to go absolutely insane when he gets to a stable organization and a place where he's put in a position to win. And also J.C. Jackson, really, really stellar corner. So I really like what the Chargers are doing. Again, they didn't uh, necessarily have the deepest free agency or draft class as compared to other teams I'll talk about a little bit later. But the key players that they added are massive. It's really good to see Khalil Mack out of a poverty franchise. You know, he's going to a, a winning organization. And, you know, I'm excited to see what the Chargers could do. And, uh, you know, it's good to see that move, especially uh, for Khalil Mack. Now, the next team I'm going to talk about is uh, the L.A. Rams. Now, the L.A. Rams, they didn't do a lot. They were one of the quieter teams towards the end of the offseason. And that's because they had absolutely no draft capital. Because, you know, the L.A. Rams motto is literally, you know, I think the GM was wearing shirts that say F the picks. They don't, they don't, they haven't, I don't think they've had a first round pick since Aaron Donald in 2014. And that was like, what, seven, eight years ago? They just don't pick anymore. So, you know, uh, they got some O-linemen. Uh, even the Michigan State uh, tackle, I believe. So they got some O linemen in the draft. They got some defensive backs, and I think they had a they got a running back. That's not the important stuff. Important stuff is getting Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. Taking Bobby Wagner from a division rival, you know, two years ago he was the best middle linebacker in the league. He's probably still top four in that position right now. Although you know there are some players ahead of him still. Great pickup. I don't see him falling off a cliff in L.A. Maybe he'll get a regress a little bit, but great pickup, especially getting him from the Seahawks. He looks like he's out for revenge. He looks like he is. good mindset uh is Cooper Cup who just had the best wide receiver receiver
Season, he finally upgraded. He that's finally upgraded. And just to just to mention a few more players in that wide receiver room, there's Robert Woods, who's coming back from an injury, and Van oh, yeah. Jefferson. That's five wide receivers, yes. possibly. That's five starting caliber that's guys. That's five wide receivers nasty. who could all be wide, wide receiver ones or wide receiver twos on most NFL teams. And the fact that they're all in one room solidifies the NFL's ideology, as I mentioned right now, is just to get a quarterback, stick with the quarterback, and surround him with weapons. And yeah. the Rams yeah. are doing it really well. And I have to say that the fact that they have Bobby Wagner is like, like save some for the rest of the league, man. Like why it is letting everything, man. It's, it's absolutely insane. And honestly, yeah. If, if this is what it takes, you have to, you know, burn a few first round picks for you to get that Super Bowl win. Then, I mean, the Rams are, the Rams are very, we're very ahead of their time. Then if, if that's the, if that's the case. So the fourth team that I want to talk about, this is a pretty obvious one, but again, it's another AFC West team. It is the Denver Broncos. So first, one of the more overlooked moves that the Denver Broncos had was signing defensive lineman DJ Jones to a three-year deal. He's a former 49er, but he's one of the best run stuffers in the NFL. He's going to play a nose tackle probably for the Broncos, but it's really significant in the fact that if you can have a nose tackle that takes up two offensive linemen blocking him on one play. I mean, that leaves somebody open on the, uh, that leaves somebody else open on a one-on-one matchup or just in general draws a lot of attention to you, which is really, really significant once you get like, you know, into the attrition of an NFL game. Um, also, they added pass rusher Randy Gregory on a five-year deal from the Cowboys. And just like I said, if DJ Jones has taken up two blockers, then you have, now you have Randy Gregory, Gregory, you have Bradley Chubb rushing from both edge rusher spots, and that's pretty scary to think about. That's a nasty line right there. Yeah, that is a pretty dang good line right there. And not even to add to that, they also acquired all-pro quarterback Russell Wilson via trade. And honestly, I just have to vent for a moment. I don't know where this whole idea of, oh, Russ is washed, Russ is this, Russ is that. Russ is one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen touch the football of all time, of all time, and it, it honestly just baffles me that he had a broken finger last year. He missed multiple games, and the games that he did play, he was pretty solid. But he was playing for a really, really underwhelming team, and just overall a, a franchise that did not put him in a position to win. It's almost right. as though people forgot about his past success and how good of a player he is. So, if anybody has any doubt in their mind that Russell Wilson will at least, you know. If anybody's is anybody's thinking right now that Russell Wilson will not put everything that he has into this Broncos franchise and will not lead them to victory, I don't know. I don't know what I can say to you to convince you anymore. You just, you know, you're clearly not seeing football the right way. I, I have, I have absolutely nothing but trust in Russell Wilson. And lastly, in the draft, they also acquired Nick Benito, a linebacker from Oklahoma. And Greg Dolchitz, a speedy tight end from UCLA, to replace Noah Fant, who they lost in the trade for Russell Wilson. So right now it just looks like the Denver Broncos are, again, following the strategy of getting a quarterback, then surrounding him with weapons, and then solidifying other positions of need on defense. And again, this AFC West is going to be one of the more exciting things we've ever seen in football happen. This division battle is going to be insane, and the Broncos hit it out of the park. Yeah. You know, that Russell Wilson trade, the more I think about it, it looks eerily similar to the Matt Stafford trade. And I think you could say 
that worked out because the Rams got a Super Bowl out of that. Also, if also if you see Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, and you don't think Russell Wilson is going to elevate their game when they had Drew Locke last season, I don't know what else to say to you. That's a wide receiver room who's going to improve with a good veteran quarterback who definitely has some years left in him, has a good mindset, chip on his shoulder. Broncos, the only thing going against them is their crazy division. That's that's really the only thing you you can say is like stopping them. Great offseason by the Broncos. Now, the next team that I'm going to talk about uh, is a team I didn't like their offseason in the beginning. But the more I think about it, I'm going to give props to the Eagles. Now, the player who I flip-flopped the most on in the draft is Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is an amazing run stopper. He's the best run stopper in the draft, but that's kind of the only elite aspect of his game. He also is he, he also doesn't play that much of his snaps. He played like 40% of his snaps. But imagine a Fletcher Cox and 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 put Jordan in that situation. Those two D tackles together. That's a, that's a good first round pick. And you know, speaking of things the Eagles did in the first round, they also traded to get AJ Brown. Literally, they got AJ Brown. AJ Brown is, you know, a top seven wide receiver in the league. And if you give Jalen Hurts, who this is Jalen Hurts' season to prove himself, he's in that category of quarterbacks who have had, have had like, you know. They haven't really been complete bums, but they haven't been stars either. So he's kind of he's got a this season is gonna see where where the Eagles are gonna you know treat him. You know if if he does good this season, he's gonna receive a fat paycheck. If he does bad, he's probably gonna go to Carolina. <laughs> but yeah, the Eagles uh, the Eagles also picked up Hassan Reddick, who's a good quality player. Uh, but this could be the best run defense and run offense in the NFL. If you don't forget last season, Eagles, they had the best run offense. Uh, Jalen Hurts was running. They have a nasty backfield too, pretty good old line. And then you add Jordan Davis to that defense with Fletcher Cox. It's going to be a nasty run. That's going to be a nasty run stuff. I like it the more that I look at it. I think running in the NFL is going to, like if you can completely shut down the run, that's a great way to, you know, get to the quarterback and, you know, kind of force the quarterback out of a comfort zone. So I think it's always valuable to have that. And I think the Eagles have their staple in the direction where their franchise wants to go. And that's an amazing thing to come out of the offseason with. Yeah, and if you look at it more and more, I think that the Eagles have the same and if not more chance to win the NFC East. The Giants had a good productive offseason, but uh, the Eagles made, you know, the playoffs last year. The Dallas Cowboys, who also made the playoffs, are increasingly looking worse, like one of the worst off seasons this year. Um, the Commanders are a little bit of a of a little bit of a question mark right now. We don't really know what's going on with their quarterback room with Carson Wentz, and we don't really know how things are going to play out. So the Eagles are playing themselves into a playoff spot right now. How they, you know, how they perform, that's to be determined, and how Jalen Hurts performs in the playoffs and in general this season is a question mark. But they're surrounding him with good pieces and making their defense stronger. So I, I, again, just props to the Eagles and especially for acquiring A.J. Brown, you know, they, now they have two legitimate wide receiver ones 
and Devonte Devonte Smith, and they have uh, AJ Brown now. All right. So the last team I want to talk about. Drum roll, please, for the New York Jets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the New York Jets in, in the last five years or so have been pretty, 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 pretty low in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of teams in the NFL. They've been a, pretty much a laughing stock. And I know I can't talk much as I'm, I represent the other team in New York that has also been a laughing stock. However, the New York Jets had a really, really good draft. This entire this entire um, segment, I've been talking about teams that hit, have hit on one to two free agent signings and made their team a lot better by getting two key players or three key players. But the Jets might have just done that all with rookies and all just through the draft. They're simply building through the draft. And uh, obviously, we can't exactly predict how some of these picks are going to turn out. But looking at it on paper right now, this looks really good at number uh, four overall, they selected Sauce Gardner, who's a lockdown corner at Cincinnati. Has some swagger to him. I like the way he plays. And Alex is saying it to me right now. He allowed a total of zero, zero. touchdowns in his collegiate career. I like the way he plays, and he has good potential. Then on top of that, they also selected Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. Surround Wilson with another Wilson, and give him more weapons to throw to after the loss of Jameson Crowder. And they also selected Jermaine Johnson, the second pass rusher from Florida State University, who was really, really productive. And just a little just a little Easter egg for anybody out there who watched Last Chance U. Jermaine Johnson at one point was an, was an edge rusher for La, in Last Chance U, but he worked his way up, got a scholarship to Florida State University, and is now a first-round pick in the NFL. And adding on to that even more, they got another running back, Brees Hall from Iowa State University, who had over 1,500 yards in two of his collegiate seasons, and that those two he had 41 touchdowns over the course of his career at Iowa State, and some called him the best running back prospect in this draft, and they got him at the top of the second. And even adding on to that, they got another tight end from Ohio State in the third round, who's a really productive blocker and receiver. So they seriously might have gotten five starters on their offense and their defense just through the draft. And even adding on to that, they got tight end CJ Ozama on a three-year deal worth $24 million. So the question is here, how are the Jets going to do with all of this young talent? This is why I included them last, because we don't really know exactly how it's going to play out, because a lot of this is unproven players. But I can almost guarantee you, out of three, out of, at least out of, I'd say, let's say two out of their five picks that I mentioned, I'd say Garrett Wilson is going to be a star and Ahmad Sauce Gardner are going to be stars. Two out of those five you hit on, and those are pretty good odds. And honestly, there's the only way for the J- the only place for the Jets to go from here is up. Not just because they're yeah. a pretty bad team right now, but because of all the work that they've put in. And yeah, I couldn't be more happy to see the Jets succeeding right now. Yeah. Imagine me and Zach Wilson right now. He's got to be one of the happiest people in the world. Given how you know how much the uh, the Jets absolutely sucked last year, uh, they now got a quality running back who's probably going to be probably going to make an impact in his first two years, and they got they got a receiver for like you know wow you know that's probably the weakest part of their team. They actually have like uh, a solid receiver room adding uh, uh, Garrett to that. 
Uh, also, they got two key defensive players, so you know that's going to make that defense better. Overall, this is a team that needed to improve, and they absolutely nailed it on the improving pack. I like that pick. Uh, now, the last team we'll be talking about today is the Detroit Lions. Ironically, they were one of the worst teams in the NFL, but towards the end of the season, they had a little Dan Campbell spark in them. We, we saw them elevate. They had some pretty nasty losses in in the beginning of the season you know one that stands out justin tucker's record-breaking 66 uh yard field goal against them but you know after a season like that you gotta improve you you can't you can't get much worse than what the record says the team most people were saying the team was already too good to have a record like that and if you see what they did this offseason you know they're they're definitely not going to repeat that so the first thing, the first major thing I'm going to point out is Hutchinson. That's my number two player in the draft. They got him at number two. He's been one of the most consistent. He's probably the most consistent name in the draft. He was, he was never, I've never seen a like mock draft for him going lower than two. Hutchinson is great. Hutchinson, uh, he, I think he had like 15.5 sacks uh, or something like crazy uh, in Michigan last year. Anyway. Michigan may be taking Ohio spots at, uh, for Edge Rusher University. Uh, they also traded up to get Jamison Williams, and they absolutely fleeced their rival, the Vikings, in the prof, uh, process. They went from 32 all the way to 12, picked up, you know, maybe the best wide receiver this year, but he fell down because of, you know, ACL uh, issues. But, you know, they, they got him. They also added DJ Shark, DJ Chark. Who was a former thousand-yard receiver in 2019, and I think uh, I think in 2020 he had like 900 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown rookie season, 900 yards. Uh, you add Jamison Williams, you add Chark. That's three potential thousand-yard receivers in a season. I think this is one of the best young receiving cores. I think this is going to. I think in two to three years we can look at this as a historic receiving core. And I know I've talked about receiving cores a lot this season. But man, pressure's on Jared Goff with all this good with all this good stuff they got. I think I think that's the most improved team in the NFC. And just, you know, looking at that locker room they got, I think Dan Campbell can seriously do some things with that. And they may be pl- playoff sleepers, you know. I think they can sneak up, maybe get a seven seed or something. And, you know, that's crazy improvement given that they were picking number two this year. Yeah, I think honestly one of the best things about the NFL and that we don't see in the NBA, for example, is the ability for bad teams to get better so quickly. If yeah. you think about it a few years ago, the Cardinals had back-to-back number one overall picks, and they went from Josh Rosen, traded Josh Rosen to get Kyler Murray, and now we're talking the Car- about the Cardinals as one of the best teams in the league. Alex just mentioned them as having one of the best off-seasons in the league. You can really improve so quickly in the NFL and turn around a franchise so fast. And, you know, for the Jets and the Lions, it's been, you know, longer than I'd say five years where they've been consistently poor. But the fact is, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, they're, they really are improving right now. And the fact that you can even make it a possibility and make an argument for the fact that the Lions could be a playoff contender in the uh, in the NFC this year is wild to think about when they were just yeah. picking number two overall. So, um, Honestly, it speaks measures to the NFL and what a great league it is. But just in general, 
Uh, I, I'm really happy for the Lions, and I really like what you said about Dan Campbell. I think he is a galvanizing head coach, and I love seeing his players play for him. They play so hard. I love seeing the passion that they play with. Last year when they got their first win on that Amonra St. Brown touchdown, I believe it might have been against the Falcons. I love seeing Jared Goff and that running to the sideline and, you know, chest-bumping Dan Campbell. Um, it, it was it was amazing to see. All right. So the last topic I want to talk about is pretty much just a little bit of a just a little bit of a a side note. So, so just because all these teams had free off seasons and really productive ones in the draft and free agency, there are teams that we're still unsure about. That you know, obviously that's going to be natural. There are going to be teams with more, you know, more question marks, and it's just it just it's just human nature, I guess, to ponder stuff like that. So Alex and I are just going to say a team or two that we think or that we think, you know, could be good, but we don't know right now, or teams that we think did not have a success, successful offseason that we did not get to talk about. So to start on a more positive note, I thought that the Ravens, at least draft-wise, had a really interesting first two rounds. One, they got David Ajabo from Michigan in the second round. Alex and I know watching firsthand that guy can take over a game when he played Michigan State. He had three sacks against Michigan State. He's an elite pass rusher, very athletic, very, very good. And also in the first round, not to mention they possibly got one of the more explosive defensive prospects we've ever seen in the draft in Kyle Hamilton. I know the knock on him is that why he fell is because of his speed. He ran 4-6. He is 6-4, at the safety position, and he can cover ground fast. He plays football fast. I don't care if he runs a 4-6. That guy can play. And the fact that they got a possibly a top five player in true value at number 14 is really significant. However, if it was just those two picks, then I'd be considering the Ravens for best off seasons. And the problem with it, though, is they lost wide receiver Marquise Brown. As Alex mentioned, he went to the Cardinals. And naturally, this wouldn't really be that big of a deal. But... um the quarterback for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, had a great relationship with Marquise Brown. And also, if you look at the Ravens roster, a lot of their wide receiver talent that's there right now is very unproven. Rashad Bateman was the first-round pick last year, but he was mostly hurt. We don't know much about him. They lost Sammy Watkins. There's a lot of unproven receivers on that roster right now. It's a big question mark, you know. And for a team that needs to advance their passing attack, how are they going to do that without receivers? Now, of course... Alex and I love Mark Andrews, their tight end, but then again, he is still a tight end and they're going to need some receivers. So it's a bit baffling that the Ravens did trade away Marquise Brown, but they did get a very, a very stellar player out of it in Kyle Hamilton. So take it how you will. The Ravens are going to come back healthy. And just, just last year, they were absolutely murdered by injuries. I mean, they must've had 20 guys on IR, but they were still competing for the playoffs. And a healthy Ravens team is something that the AFC needs to watch out for. So either way, the Ravens are going to be back and probably in the playoffs. When I think of a question mark NFL team, the Saints pop in my head. It's it's the Saints. You know, the, the Saints' biggest player a few years ago, Michael Thomas, he's a big question mark in himself. What have we seen from him recently? We know his peak. His peak was probably around Devontae Adams' peak, and, you know, we were going crazy over the Devontae Adams stuff, you know, earlier this thing. So Michael Thomas is a player who could be really high up here. We've seen a lot from him, though. Jameis Winston, he's another question mark. He's a bit of a 
unproven slash proven quarterback. I don't even know what you want to label him. But we've seen great flashes of him. Like the first week this season when he threw five touchdowns against the Packers compared to zero interceptions. Popular to contrary belief, he can throw five consecutive touchdowns without throwing an interception. You know, the Jameis Winston trolls don't like to hear that. And also, the trade to get Chris Olave over Jameson Williams, kind of a puzzling one. Position of need, yes. I understand getting the Ohio State uh, wide receivers together. But, you know, maybe they saw something in him. You know, he's still a very good player, but I, I, I like Jameson Williams a bit more. But, you know, hey, also not to mention they got maybe the most confusing player to uh, Taysom Hill, but that's kind of besides the point. I don't really know where to put this team, especially in a division like uh, the NFC South, which, you know, we we had this division going crazy. Uh, we didn't know what was going to go on in the NFC South like a month and a half ago, but then, you know, Brady came back and, you know, that kind of painted the picture. But, you know, the Saints team can be something special. It, it may not be something special. And, you know, I haven't even dived into them getting Tyron Matthew or, you know, the Alvin Kamara legal situation. But, you know, this Saints team has a lot of question marks to figure out. And they got a high ceiling. You know, Jameis Winston, when he's hot, he's hot. You know, those two Ohio State wide receivers, they could pair well together. I can see that easily. I think a lot of people can. Michael Thomas, when he's hot, he's hot. You know, but the question marks on Alvin Kamara, how Tyron Matthew will play, I don't know. We don't know how this thing is going to go. That's The Saints are the most unpredictable team in the NFC to me, and I, I just can't point on where they'll go at this current moment. Yeah. I, I feel like people overlook the Sean Payton loss, and people are still around talking about it. And it's pretty, it's pretty significant losing a coach of his greatness yeah. and a coach that was very well known for having a good relationship with his quarterback in Drew Brees. And I had full trust in him being able to get the most out of Jameis Winston. But um, as of right now, I don't know how to feel about the entire situation there in New Orleans. But as you said, they still have an interesting roster. And if Michael Thomas gets hot again, he is a top five wide receiver. So we'll see what goes on. Um, and then just to, I guess, more food for thought. Um, the Patriots had one of the more baffling first round picks we've seen in recent memory. Obviously, they still had a pretty productive offseason. Um, they were still able to maintain most of their players, and obviously they still lost J.C. Jackson, but um, they still had a relatively okay offseason, but pretty significantly, they also did lose Kyle Van Noy, who just got signed to the Charters about five hours ago. Um, who, so they're losing a pass rusher, which they didn't really address in the draft, and they also lost another defensive player. But instead of addressing anything of that or drafting a wide receiver in the first round, the Patriots decided to draft guard Cole Strange from Chattanooga. 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 So, it's, hey, I love I love to see a small school player drafted, and I love to see you know, I love I love to see that. I love to support that. But I can't lie; it's a pretty head scratching move when you know. There were uh, uh, there are better players on the board, and there's the clip of the the Rams, Don McVay, and their owner just laughing at the at the pick, just visibly laughing, saying, "We had that guy at 104. They just took him at 29." And um, yeah, so who knows? Belichick might be a genius, but we say that every year in the draft when he has a really strange pick. And honestly, his track record does not you know shine highly on him in the draft. Obviously, he's the greatest coach of all time, but uh, when it comes to the draft, he probably needs a little bit more consulting.
that was a quite the puzzling draft. The memes that came out of that situation, I got I got a lot of laughs at. Uh, But yeah, overall, the Patriots offseason was quite the interesting one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this was our first episode of, you know, the offseason thing. We're, we're probably going to do this for a month. So, yeah. Yeah, so right now we're not sticking to the normal six picks uh, formula just because of the fact that this is more of a summary and analysis type of thing. It's a little bit more of a discussion Alex and I are going to have, but there's still obviously a lot of us, a lot of stuff to discuss for the off season and make predictions about um, the NFL season and what teams might be in the playoffs or what teams might do good, what teams might do poorly. Um, so we look forward to that, but just as a little note, if he's kept up with us to this point, we're going to be going through uh, some changes in the coming few weeks. We're just going to be trying some new stuff out when it comes to branding uh, we might change up our name a little bit and stuff like that. Obviously, Alex and I are going to still stay around, but we'll keep you guys in for a little surprise. We might uh, we might release an episode around within the next two weeks that might surprise a few people, but we hope you guys still tune in and check it out. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one, y'all. Miles and Alex, out.